My name is Yogesh Chitani and welcome to the Passive Moolah Snakes and Ladders podcast. Today's episode is about making multiple streams of income. The world is so competitive nowadays and one needs to not focus just on one source of income. Absolute pleasure to be joined by Theo Constanti, founder of the Marble Group, Marble Property Group, Designer Kitchens, Desperate to Sell, Stanti, etc. Welcome Theo. Thanks Yogesh. Um, if, if you could start by telling us a bit about yourself, your background, how you start, uh, started to build so many businesses and create so many multiple streams of income. So yeah, I started, uh, I guess my story starts from when I was about 14, 15. I was working as a waiter in my uncle's restaurant in Cyprus, needed some extra money. So there I was learning a few bits from a small business owner. The thing about working in a restaurant is you learn how to multitask, you learn how to sell, you learn upselling, timekeeping, working under pressure, working in the team. So I definitely got a set of skills together. Um, When I was 17, I I continued to work in the catering industry at restaurants and bars and stuff. I had a motorbike accident. I lost my hand, unfortunately, (laughs) which meant that I couldn't wait her anymore. So my mum worked as a telesales executive somewhere. She said, yeah, why don't, you, why don't you come and work in telesales? So I did. Um, learned telesales, learned how to sell, which was good, really important, um, if you ask me. Should be, a, should be a subject to university sales. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I, um, on my 18th birthday, I threw a party at a local club to celebrate. I was out of hospital and, you know, I had a few friends. So I had like three, 400 people come. And um, the club owner said, Theo, you know, it was the best night since we started trading. Can you, can you throw another party? I said, yeah, why not? He goes, this time you can keep the door money. Well, it was £5 each. There was, you know, 400 people turning up. So I was making £2,000 a night at 18 years old. So within six months, um, I made, you know, a five-figure sum, which was good at 18. Wow. Um, and I used that money to set up a telesales company yeah. selling things on the internet. So I was doing my degree at university, I did economics, um, and I had some friends that needed, needed some pocket money. So we started selling, um, selling advertising on the internet way back when. Um, I built that company over three or four years to um, 70 staff at one point at the height. I was about 22 at that point, just graduated. And um, yeah, and, and, and business was great. So um, my friend, my best friend, Michael at the time, said to me, Theo, you seem like you know what you're doing with sales and business. He said, um, I, I do this thing, I, I put granite worktops in people's houses. I said, I said, what's granite? And we were poor, you know, I didn't know what granite worktop was. <laughs> he said, Theo, it's this thing that rich people put in their houses. <laughs> so I said, fine, what do we need to set up? He's like, we need a van, we need some tools, we need some customers. I said, that's no problem, you know, and I'll put a few thousand pounds in. Um, we got a van, we used my mum and dad's garage in Fry Barnet as a factory where we used to cut and polish the stone in. Yeah. Um, and off we went. Started put on my telly's house hat and started selling um, worktops to, to kitchen showrooms up and down, well, in North London to begin with. So that was great. Um, you know, I was able to invest in property as well, which was, was lucky. I mean, I'm 36 now, I was 21 or 22 when I bought my first flat. Yeah. Um, and obviously I've enjoyed that price rise I've ridden that wave over the last 15-20 years of hikes yeah was Galley House around that time you bought yeah so so um, my first two flats were in East London yeah. um, I went up to the most successful my friend with the most successful parent I knew and she was like 
yeah, buy two flats, buy them in East London. So I literally went to Rightmove, typed in E1, mm. and bought the first two flats on top of Rightmove. I went and saw three and I bought two of them. Do you still have them? Or? I do, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, one in uh, Stepney and one in Tow- in um, Wapping, both in the London Borough of Towerhamlet. Yeah, right, so, a good increase in equity. Yeah, I bought the first one for one seven nine, the other one for two oh five. They're both worth an excess of three hundred and fifty, three hundred seventy five thousand now, so double almost. Right. So, um, so yeah, the Marble Group was born back then. The property investment, and back to your question, I bought the two flats there. Yeah. Um, I bought Galley House. Yeah. Which is the offices that you're kindly buying off me yes. <laughs> as we speak um, and yeah just one thing led to another I got involved into property development um, I, I got into BNI which is Business Networking International which is a breakfast club for small business owners that I highly recommend to any small business owners listening to this yes yes I, I noticed um, your friends with the um, one of the directors um... yeah a couple of them um, I guess the one I know most is Tim Nicolau, who's the director of uh, London and North East. Yes. And uh, yeah, we went to BNI 10 years ago. I was yeah. chapter director of the biggest chapter in the country at the time. Are you still with BNI? I haven't. I did my shift six and a half years. Wow. Um, the most recent one is uh, I'm a member of the Academy of Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs. Yes. Which is a peer to peer learning group. Yeah. Which is a bit more learning off other business people that have been there. I mean, I've got guys in my group. You know, there's people that turn over over a hundred million pounds. There's some people with smaller business, some with bigger. But for me to go in there as a younger guy, yeah. I'm learning off all these people. Yeah. One lady has a company doing a recruitment for venture capitalists. You know, just peer to peer learning, learning off somebody like yourself, Yogesh, as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, I got into multiple things. Um, you know, my latest one is uh, Stanty, the, the business coaching and sales and marketing business. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just try and get involved with as many things as I can, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting how the Marble um, Group was started off in your parents' garage Yeah. in, in Barnet. Yeah, that's right. Um, how, how have your businesses been through COVID? Yeah, I mean, look, we've got an estate agency in um, Finsbury Park, Marble Property Group, and um, it has been a small challenge with tenants paying their rents and stuff. Yeah. Luckily, the government came in with a furlough. Yeah. Um, I'd say rents have dropped in zone one and two, certainly, and we do have a little bit of stock there. Um, but look, the kitchen industry, the construction industry has come out swinging after COVID, it seems that everyone spent their holiday money on doing up their properties yeah. and doing up their homes. So the Marble Group is, is doing very well. I think it was crazy really at the beginning. I remember the first week when they said it's all shut down, everything's locked down. You're thinking, I've got 50 staff. How am I going to pay yeah. my mortgage? How am I going to pay the rent? And then it happened slowly, didn't it? We're going to offer bounce back loans and furlough. there's furlough and there's COVID interruption loans. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was challenging, but... Um, you know, I found the time quite good for reflection and sometimes you need a bit of a time out when you're running at 100 miles an yeah. hour. So, yeah, I think the government were great and, yeah, COVID's been okay, to be honest with you. I think gave us a little bit more time to learn. Yeah. Um, you know, I've managed to read a couple more books than I normally do over that initial lockdown period. Yeah. I learned about different forms of marketing, uh, which yeah. has really helped my business of late. Um, and obviously got to meet you and listen to a few podcasts. Yes, like thank that. you. Did, did you find the cost of materials went up for Marble or other parts um, of the business? Our, 
pound is important to me because it, uh, it goes with the dollar and the euro. So yeah. as the pound is weaker, my imports are more expensive for me when I'm importing from Europe or America or South America yeah. or the Far East. Um, you know, the, the weak pound costs me more. So mm. as we speak now, I think the date is November the 17th. Mm. The pound's quite strong. Um, I think it's 1.32 against the dollar today. So for now, we're going to forward buy our dollars over the next three to six months, just in case it, Brexit goes against us, the pound falls in value, we don't get a deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, the importing is uh, relative to the currency for me personally. Yeah. I know it changes for everyone. Yeah. Depending on industry. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, we import a lot of um, supplements, grocery from the States. Um, and, you know, over the years, we've never really thought about it. It comes in. But now we've been looking at currencies as well. So I think that's something I'll have a share with you a bit later on. Yeah, that. definitely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're involved in a lot of businesses. What due diligence do you do before you start a new business? So the first thing is whether I can add value or not. Hmm. My expertise is in sales and marketing. Yeah. So if I could take somebody like my business partner, Michael, yeah. who was the tradesperson, he knew how to manufacture stone worktops. Yeah. He knew how to template them and fit them and the process, yeah. but he didn't have the sales and marketing knowledge. So I added the value and we were the perfect marriage, if you like, with, the, with that. So yeah, somewhere where I personally can add some value to a business. Yeah. Um, uh, it's very important to me as well, the person that I'm investing in and backing um, you know, I like to work with people that are receptive to growth and change. Um, you want people to be learning and growing yeah. if you're in business with them. Um, and yeah, like some things don't work out sometimes, you know. Um, I've, I've had some, some wins and I've had some losses as well. And sometimes things go against you. I mean, could you imagine? I was in the hotel industry this time last year. <laughs> I had a hotel apartment in Camden. And I turned it into a care home, actually. Yeah. Uh, more by luck than skill. But um, at the end of last year, three months later, COVID hits. Yeah. And every hotel in zone one and two is empty. How lucky did I get? So, you know, I know people that have put all their eggs in the hotel basket. Yeah. They've got portfolios of hotel groups. And my father-in-law has got a guest house in... In North London, I think it's got seven to ten bedrooms. Yeah. It was 80% occupancy. And now it's not, there's no one there. I mean, so yeah, you need, you need, you need a little bit of luck in business as well. Yeah. Um, How's the care home faring? Great. That's, I've got yeah. a 15 year lease. <laughs> I've got a five year break. Yeah. So, um, you know, the kind of commercial relationships I've made, you know, with different people over the years. So, yeah. You know, there's different types of carers, you know. Um, we've got an interest with mental health. We have an interest yeah. with children. A um, few other things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to work hard at it. You know, we had to invest a little bit of money into the building. We had to make it compliant. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you can do something for the community and make a profit at the same time, yeah, um, it's a win-win for everyone. I think some businesses are recession-proof, and I think... Care homes is probably one of them. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I guess it depends on the funding. I mean, when I started my estate agency about 14 years ago, Labour were in government. Okay. And they just announced something called the Local Housing Allowance, which is the LHA, and that's how we dictated rents. Okay. Now, they were paying 
really high rates, like a studio flat they'd rent for 1500 a month, guaranteed. A two bed they'd give you three grand, I mean, all the way up to seven grand uh, a, a month for a four or five bed house. And this is like housing benefits? It was housing, housing benefits, exactly that. Well, Conservative came in two months later, two years later, and they capped the local housing allowance yeah. and they said, You can only earn 1600 a month. I don't care if you're in a four bed, a studio, whatever. Well, that business straight away. We let more properties through Camden Council than any other estate agent in the country in 2006, I think it was, or 2007. And then that happened. So we had to change straight away. And that's what I mean about being adaptable yeah. to go to the private market and try and maintain a good level of rents for our landlords that expected these really high rates that we got. So, yeah, when you say recession proof, you are right. There, there are certain things. But look, who, who knew? Lettings now. Tenants can't pay their rents. Yeah. Six months to evict. People in zone one with property. Their properties yeah. are sitting empty. They were getting £1,000 a week for a two-bed opposite Harrods. Now they're lucky to get £500. Yeah. They cannot rent them. So, yeah, you just you never know. Changes in law. I mean, my telesales company was successful, but they introduced laws against telesales. There's only so many people you can call. Advertising changed. Law changes, things move, and you have to be adaptable in business. Yeah, you have to keep moving, keep growing, try and keep moving forward. <laughs> totally agree, totally agree with you. Um, some people say, you know, and I've had this in, in, in my career, you know, stick to one thing, having several different businesses, you know, distracts you. What's your take on that? I think that's absolutely right. I think several businesses can distract you. I mean. It depends on how much you're doing for each business. So I focus 90% of my time on the Marble Group, yes. um, which is the lion's share of my income. Um, and I focus on managing people in our company, on you know the marketing, the sales, a few other things. Now for other businesses that I consult for, yeah. I focus on strategy. I focus on marketing. I focus on you know sales from afar. So it doesn't take up that much time. So yeah. I just think if you are going to have different businesses, mm. don't try and be like 20% in each business. It doesn't work. Mm. Pick the business that you're going to put most of your time in. And then the other ones, how can you add value? How can you put in a team? So yeah. my estate agencies now, I ha had 100% of it. Over the last three years, I gave a share away to my now business partner yeah. because I couldn't be there. So he's running that. I've maintained 50% and he's running the show. Yeah, and he's Play got his own strength. business. That, exactly. Yeah. Same with one or two of the other places, and I'm there. I'm there to consult, to support, to coach, and to invest. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, was it was the phrase "jack of all trades, master of exactly. none"? Exactly. And I, I, and that was me in the early days. Honestly, yeah. I was doing viewings for properties. I was trying to measure up <laughs> worktops. I was. You know, I, I went into business with a friend of mine. We had a small construction company about 10 years ago. Mm. I was going around pricing extensions. And, you know, you're doing a little bit of everything. And unfortunately, something's got to give. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, I mean, you're involved in so many businesses. What is your motivator for being involved in so many businesses? What drives you? So motivation changes based on needs. Um, at the very beginning, I was 21 years old. My father's business went under. Um, what was mother, he in? He was a fishmonger. He fishmonger. used to buy and sell fish. And unfortunately, he got 
he got carjacked with his van and all his invoices were on pen and paper. He didn't know who had the money. He delivered to a few restaurants. Anyway, he, he wasn't, you know, he was a... He wasn't the world's greatest businessman. He was yeah. a one-person businessman that ran for 15, 16, 20 years in the trade. Yeah. Going to Billingsgate Market, buying fish, selling it, trying to make a margin. And when that happened in East London, he, um, you know, I remember my father, he was crying at our dinner table and he, he was like, how am I going to pay the mortgage? And he didn't really know that I'd <laughs> set up my telesales thing and I had loads of stuff and... I said, Dad, how much do you need? He was like, Theo, you know, it's the house, the mortgage, your mum, your brother, you, da 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 the food. I said, well, how much? He goes, well, I need £4,000 a month. I said, okay, I can cover that. So <laughs> that was a good feeling. And you were, what, early 20s? Yeah, I was 22, 21, 22, and by 23, I paid off my parents' mortgage. And, you know, that was my original motivation. My yeah. father gave me so much, worked so hard. He worked three jobs. He was after fishmonger. He was working at Tesco's behind the counter. Yeah. Then he was driving a minicab at night. Um, so yeah, like my, my motivation at the beginning was my family, survival, my parents. Once that got out of the way, it was like, well, now, you know, I need to buy a house for me and my, my then girlfriend, now wife. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, things changed. Now I'm looking at upgrading my home. I've been in it for 14 years. The same home that I bought when I was 22, 23. I st- I'm still in now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, I think understanding your values is really important. Yeah. I think, you know, my number one value is growth. Yeah. And I always want to be growing, moving forward. Um, so, yeah, both personally and professional, I, I want to see my businesses grow. I want to grow as a man, a husband, a father, a business person. Yeah. And, and that's my personal motivation. And it changes for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Kids, you know, kids and the missus, yeah. family, that's a, a, a big motivation for me. That's the reason. It's the main one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is the main one. Um, so would you consider to be your income to be passive or do you have to be hands-on in some aspects? Funny you ask me that because I actually just did my tax return and it does appear that my passive income does exceed my normal nine-to-five. Um, I mean hopefully not for long as my business continues to grow and expand but yeah, yeah that's the thing about property when you acquire a portfolio yeah. uh, I was I can't tell you how lucky I was Yogesh and I talk about luck so much in business you know you I create was, your own luck the more you're out there looking you yeah well I, I remember I was buying properties for you know I was doing deals with banks at 1.62 above base and 1.75 above base and you know mm. The interest rates were 5 or 6% at the time, so my mortgages were 7%. Mm. That was in 2006 or 2007, where the crash happened. And then interest rates went for 7% to 1% or 0.5%. Well, all my mortgages were on trackers. So from being up there, they went... Yeah. And, and that margin on the rental income was very healthy for me. And because I was fortunate enough to continue to make investments in my early 20s... Yeah. I took advantage of that. So, yeah, um, I would say that my passive income um, exceeds my uh, my day-to-day, what it does, what I get paid on my payroll, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So a, a bit of background of how I met um, Theo. So, you know, we, we've been looking for um, offices ourselves and in the last seven, eight months, you know, the, the vitamins side, supplements, grocery side's gone a bit crazy with COVID. 
So, you know, we've been operating out of several different units. So, and then we found a good unit in Bonnet and Theo um, is the owner and we've agreed to purchase it from him. So that's how I met Theo. Um, and then we got talking, you know, what do you do? What are you into? And then we found out we actually had a lot in common, um, you know, lot, multiple business interests, very entrepreneurial, very driven, um, an interest for podcasting. Um, and we're actually... Um, conducting this podcast in Theo's um, factory for the Marble Group. So I've had the pleasure of having a look around and seeing these very expensive machines <laughs> and a real eye-opener. You know, I've taken some photographs, so I'll share them with everyone. But, you know, absolutely very impressed, real um, eye-opener. Um, Theo, can you tell us a bit more about the operations of the manufacturing of marble and some of the challenges you have faced? Wow, what a question. Where do we start? Um... <laughs> I guess at the beginning, um, low cash flow was hard. Um, no, none of our suppliers would give us credit. We had to pay up front for everything. Yeah. And then we were working with kitchen showrooms and they all wanted credit. So, you know, there was a few credit cards maxed out in the early days and <laughs> trying to get the stock. And yeah, if I'm honest, um, cash flow is a massive part, you know. Um, we're constantly trying to extend our credit with suppliers. Yeah. We're constantly trying to get our money in quicker from our customers. Uh, we deal with some, you know, really big companies like Barclay Homes um, yeah. and other main contractors and developers. So, you know, we have to fit the work tops. Then yeah. we've got 15 day calling off. Then they've got 30 days after valuation. Well, I've had to buy all the stone up front a lot of the time. Oh, really? It's like a six to nine month cycle for um, for getting our money in. So, so you don't get credit from your suppliers in your we industry? We do some, but yeah. some we do, some we don't. It depends where we buy from as well. Okay. So, um, And obviously, if you pay up front, you get a better price. So my margin's better mm -hmm. if we can afford to, to do that. So, you know, premises, we're manufacturing stone. Like I said, we started in my mum and dad's garage. Yeah. So we got away with nine months of cutting worktops in a garage next to a three-bedroom end-of-terrace house in Fry Barney. <laughs> um you know, the changing landscape of sales and marketing. Here's a great one. We do six exhibitions a year. We do idle home show, grand designs, kitchens, bedrooms, a bathroom, home building show, a couple of other exhibitions. Well, guess what? This year, there's no exhibitions. Yeah. That accounts for almost a million pounds worth of sales for us that we weren't able to do. But, like I said, we went back, we looked at our marketing, we looked at our sales, we changed the game around and... We managed to find those jobs elsewhere, um, yeah. which yeah, which was a challenge at the time because we, we normally need the ideal home show in March to get started for the year. And that's all about your point about adapting <coughs> to different exactly circumstances. Right. So quality control as well. Um, you know, it's a competitive industry. There's hundreds of stone manufacturers up and down the country. Yeah. We've been able to grow every year since our inception. My business partner is very big on quality control. Staff, personnel issues, um, you know, keeping up with technology advances. You saw the machines yes. today. We've, we've probably invested about a million pounds worth of investment into machinery over the last 12 months to keep up with, you know, being at the forefront of technology. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you're in this property here today. I can't tell you what we went through to acquire this, you know. <laughs> we, we had to refinance our houses. We had to deal with banks and to uh, to buy our own factory was a dream for, for Michael yeah. and I and you know we're quite we're quite proud of it and, and and the other one is 
doing business around the world with different people, like different cultures. Like, yeah. you know, in China, for example, they don't, they, they don't talk business until you've been out, you've had green tea, you've been to their offices. And then like, we were there for a few days and literally as, as we're about to leave, they want to talk about business for 10 minutes. It's more about the, the chi, I think they call it, or... You know, yeah, how you get on with a person. Yeah, of. the feeling and the, you know, the, there's not that much business law in China, if you like. It's more, a lot is done on a handshake and that's so different to Britain. Yeah. We're so used to sending an invoice to someone that we've never met and getting paid or emailing out a quote. Yeah. You know, and Italy's different, you know, and Spain's different and America's different and <laughs> India's different and doing business with these different countries different cultures yeah yeah I've, I've found that quite quite interesting over over the years yeah I've, I've seen i did a bit of research and you know you've had contracts where you've provided marble for the dorchester and a, a lot of you know big um iconic hotels buildings how do you actually get the contract for those how do you do you cold call do you is it yeah, contact so, so at the beginning we did i think we did um I remember doing a fireplace at the back of Hans Crescent, which is behind Harrods and Knightsbridge. Mm. And the builder was like, look, Theo, we're stuck. We were doing the first floor men's super band at Selfridges at the time. They needed someone doing. And someone let them down. He said, Theo, you need to help us. We've got to do the men's super band at Selfridges. We've got to do Tom Ford, Prada, Christian Jaw. We've got to do the columns. We've got to do the ground floor. I said, fine, what do you need? He goes, can you meet me there at eight? I said, no problem, I'll be there at eight the next day. I've turned up at eight in the morning, Yogesh, thinking, where's this guy? I've called him. He's like, sorry, Theo, I meant eight o'clock at night at Selfridges and Harrods. We worked through the night. So saying yes helped. Yeah. I, I said yes first and yeah. figured out the rest later. And that is almost my model. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And then... The challenge is how can we deliver? And, you know, we had to work in Selfridges from 8 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning. Yes. We did the international design room at Harrods. We did the communal area at Harvey Nichols. Yeah. We've done hotels, like you said, the um, the W in Leicester Square, Sion Park, all the wow. Astoria, the Dorchester. Um, we did Wembley Stadium, not I think earlier this year. Oh. No, or last year. Well, over the last 12 mm. to 18 months. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's networking, it's marketing it's online it's yeah. um, a little bit of cold calling it's relationships things like BNI things like networking yeah um, and having a good name is really important because for the kitchen showrooms out there we look after about 150 to 200 in the southeast of England hmm. you know the guys doing the worktops for their customers are the same guys that did the Hilton the Dorchester Hotel so there's there's that as well um, yeah yeah so uh yeah, we've, we've, we've certainly been on a, a fun journey. And, and we're, we're teenagers. We're, we're 14 years old. We're not even adults yet in business. So, you know, we're really excited at what the business might look like in five or ten years' time. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah just pick up on something. You said, you know, say yes to the sale now and worry about the logistics later. And I totally agree with that because if you try and, you know, approach a contract and you're not ready... You'll never be ready. And it's, it's like everything, you know, life, marriage, kids, whatever. You're never ready. So just you've got to just go it's into never it. Perfect, it's never perfect. And you find your feet. You'll find yeah, and your play feet. it out through your head. Yeah. What does the end look like? You yeah. know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Begin with the end in mind. Yeah. That's a good, good tip. Um, so, Theo, what are your plans for the future for your current business? Um, any other future projects? Look, I... 
I'll probably continue to invest in property. Um, it's what I know. I, I'm not one for stocks and shares and mm. things like that. I like my safe mm. investments, if you like. Um, I've got an eye for what I feel is a fairly good investment. Uh, mind you, the office you're buying off me is a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. But yeah, um, I th- you know, the Marble Group, I think we want to dominate the stone, stone industry. We've got plans to be the biggest in the UK. We're already one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in the South East and London. Wow. Um, off the back of your podcast, yeah, I guess who knows, maybe even the TV advert, you know? <laughs> um, you know, by two, 2022, we want to be at 80 to 100 staff. Yeah. Um, possibly be in a second factory. And yeah, just, just to keep, keep growing, keep, keep moving. Keep, enjoy, keep enjoying the process. Enjoying it. Exactly. Meeting people like you, Yogesh. Exactly. Well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Just networking, meeting similar kind of people. Um, when you're ready for the TV, I'll introduce you to Colin from um, All Response Media. Yeah, I heard it on your previous podcast. Yeah. It was fantastic. So, Theo, um, to end the podcast, any tips on creating multiple streams of income and achieving one's dreams? Because, you know, I look at you, I see the building we're in now. I've seen, you know, research your businesses. I think you are living your dream. I honestly do. <laughs> so any tips for people um, who want to achieve their dreams in business? Yeah, um, I went up to probably the most successful person I could find when I was about 16 years old. And I said, I said what's your secret? He said, honestly, Theo, he said, read one book a week. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm 47 years old. I've read 2,382 books and I'm still going. And I was like, wow. And I, and I haven't quite read that many. But before I was married with kids, I'd, yeah. I'd do maybe 50 books a year. So I was at about one a week. And then wow. since the kids and the wife and everything and demands, maybe I'll do one or two a month. I'm in a book club now. Yeah. But reading for me is a secret weapon. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can't learn. There's, there's no one you can't, there's no industry you can't go through. If I want to yeah. become an astrophysicist, I can read about it. If I want to become a, you know, accountant, I can read about it. If I want to become an, a, a property investor, I can read about it. Yeah. So I think I think reading is is a bit of a superpower, to be honest. And yeah, never stop learning. Uh, the mastermind group I've been in for the last four years, the Academy of Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs, has been really helpful for me. Yeah, learn off people that are a bit further ahead in their careers. Yeah, a lot of the time I'll do a deal with someone on a worktop, and they'll say give me a discount. I said, I'll give you a discount, but I want two hours of your time. You know, and, and I get to fire off questions. How did you do this? Why did you buy that? How did you get into this? Yeah. You know, for example, I'm looking forward to when you tell me about how to get my Amazon business up and running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or e-commerce, yeah. So yeah, the network mm-hmm. of people, um, don't be scared to fail. Certainly invest in the, in the right people. And, and the main one is... Um, understand your own intrinsic values so you can enjoy the process because if you're not enjoying it what's the point and it's not about where you end up it's about enjoying the ride great advice really good advice um thanks phil if somebody wants to contact you ask any questions or if there's any potential customers um, or new ventures how can someone contact you? Yeah, you can catch me at theo at themarblegroup.co.uk, which is, is my day-to-day email. Obviously, I mentioned to you about the consultancy. Um, the one for that is inspire at stanty.co.uk. And, you know, we've spoken before. I, I do some talks at schools and stuff like that, which yeah. I love doing. That's my give back to society. So if anyone needs, needs anything like that, I'll, I'll be very happy to help. 
very happy to connect on LinkedIn, Theo Constanti. Yeah. And my Twitter handle is um, Theo underscore Marble. So, Yogesh, thank you so much for, um, for having me on your podcast. Really love listening to, to what you've done so far. Great to meet you. I know it's only been a couple of months, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to uh, growing our relationship over the near future. Definitely. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you in the future. And thanks to all the listeners too. Thank you. Thanks, Yogesh.